0: Hi, and welcome to episode number 20 of the Crypto Chick podcast, your inside resource for the latest blockchain trends. I'm your host, the Crypto Chick, Rachel Wolfson. Today, I'm interviewing Daniel Heyman, co founder and program director of Pegasus, and Grace Hartley, strategy and operations associate at Pegasus. In this episode, Daniel and Grace give us a breakdown of Hyperledger Bezu, the first Hyperledger project that can operate on the public Ethereum blockchain. The two explain how Hyperledger Bezu allows enterprises to use a public blockchain. They also discuss the three P's of enterprise blockchain and give us an idea of what to expect from Hyperledger Bezu in the future. Let's get right to my interview with Grace and Daniel. Enjoy. Hi Daniel and Grace. Welcome to the show and thank you both so much for being here. Thanks for having us on. Thank you for having us. We're excited. Yeah, so there's two of you for this show, and usually I only have one person on my, my podcasts, but um, I think it would be great to start off by just having you guys introduce yourselves to the listeners. So, Grace, how about we start with you? What is your role at, at Pegasus? Sure,
1: I'm Grace Hartley. I'm on the Strategy and Operations team at Pegasus. Uh, Pegasus is the protocol engineering group at Consensus. As a part of my role, I've quarterback the Hyperledger BASU submission, I've helped run the partner program, among other tasks.
2: So my name is Daniel Heyman. I'm program director and co-founder of Pegasus. So I work very closely with Grace and everyone on the strategy and ops team, as well as our product research and standards team to help make Pegasus what it is.
0: Awesome. Sounds good. So I think our listeners would love to know more about Pegasus. So maybe start off by introducing us to that. And then we can talk a little bit about uh, Hyperledger Bezu.
2: So Pegasus, Grace started to say, is the protocol engineering group here at Consensus. We focus on enterprise Ethereum protocols, both for mainnet and private chain deployments. So previously, we open source last October, Ethereum mainnet client called Pantheon. And then earlier this year, we rolled out a series of features that enterprises could use uh, and, and startups as well to customize those an uh, Ethereum chain for specific consortia use cases. And so that's the main thrust of what we do, uh, making both mainnet and private chain Ethereum easier to be uh, used and value in the real world. But we also have a really active and prominent R&D team that drives a lot of the research around Ethereum 2.0 and enterprise Ethereum as well, around consensus and privacy. And so this is really all about making sure that what we're building today uh, is set up for success in the future and bringing some of the latest ideas uh, on the technological frontier into the product as soon as possible.
0: Awesome. Sounds good. And Grace, uh, can you talk a little bit about Hyperledger Bezu? Sure. Uh, So
1: what Dan hinted at is uh, last year we launched Pantheon, which is our enterprise Ethereum client written in Java with an Apache 2 license. As you said, we've been building enterprise-grade features on top of it, uh, on top of the public chain mainnet version over the last year. Last week, uh, we received approval from the Technical Steering Committee at Hyperledger to allow or, I guess, agree to have uh, Pantheon become one of their projects under the Hyperledger umbrella. And as a part of that, Pantheon is becoming or being renamed as
0: Hyperledger Basu. Got it, and I mean this is really uh, revolutionary in a way because this is the first blockchain project submitted to Hyperledger that can operate on a public blockchain.
1: Exactly, we think this is pretty exciting um, because we at Pegasus, as Dan also mentioned, we've had a vision over the last few years of seeing you know public chain use cases being used in enterprises in the future, and we think it's pretty exciting that you know it's not only us that's seeing that vision now with. Hyperledger accepting Hyperledger Besu, formerly known as Pantheon, last week. But it's also them acknowledging that they see a future within enterprise use cases for public chain. Um,
0: right, and and I mean I find it fascinating because I focus on enterprise blockchain, and usually, usually when it comes to public blockchains, enterprises shy away from that. They really don't want to have anything to do with that. So this is really revolutionary and it's really interesting, which is why it's making news lately. Mm-hmm. But my question is. So are Pantheon and Hyperledger Besu the same? And if they're not the same, what are the main differences between the two?
1: Question, they are the same. Um, so what we are doing uh, right now, since we've been approved, is we are moving the repo that currently houses Pantheon to Hyperledger and it will be renamed as Hyperledger Suit. The code base doesn't change with the submission, but the uh, governance and processes around it and the stewardship uh, of having the Hyperledger community around it, that's what changes. But the Pantheon to Hyperledger group
0: uh, to code base it, it, is identical. I see, okay, good to know. And then Hyperledger Basu is an Ethereum client. What exactly does this mean?
2: Ethereum isn't software, right? Ethereum is really a specification on how nodes in the network can interact, share state, update state, um, and process smart contracts. And so there are a number of different implementations of that specification. The most widely used one is called Geth, which stands for Go Ethereum. There's another one that's very popular called Parity. And we are a third one on the market uh, that is being used to run a mainnet Ethereum node. There are others available as well. There's a Trinity client and, and a bunch more, but uh, Parity and Geth are the main two out there. Hyperledger Besu uh, is different than those in the sense that you can then add on additional features to customize vanilla Ethereum for enterprise use cases.
0: Hmm, I see. Okay, and then in terms of adding on those features, what exactly does that mean? I mean, what what do those features look like that if that enterprises would be interested in having?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about enterprise Ethereum, we often talk about the three Ps. So that's permissioning, privacy, and performance. Enterprise chains are usually permissioned, so not anyone can join. They're not like public mainnets. And so you need a set of features that make sure that the only nodes and accounts connecting to the network are the ones that are permissioned to connect to the network. So we have a suite of tools around permissioning, some that are node-based, some are smart contract-based, and really drive flexibility for the enterprise. The second P I mentioned was privacy. A lot of enterprise use cases want uh, two parties to be able to transact on the blockchain without the rest of the network, knowing that that transaction happened. So to be able to shield or somehow share, you know, share information without that being broadcast broadly. And so we have a couple of privacy approaches as well. The main one is called Orion, which is a point-to-point transaction manager that enables people to send uh, private transactions. The third P I mentioned was performance so performance in the permission chain context means uh, really custom consensus algorithms because it's the consensus algorithm that's the bottleneck, the main bottleneck on throughput. And so we've developed a custom consensus algorithm for devices called IBFT2, which is a bit of a mouthful, but it relaxes some of the security conditions required on a public blockchain because we're not in that public environment. And in exchange for relaxing some of those conditions, we have a much higher throughput.
0: I see. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's a big um, challenge that needs to be addressed with enterprises using a public blockchain and in a private blockchain is security. So that was actually one of my um, questions coming up is, is how uh, Basu is addressing that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So there's what's going on today and then there's what we're working on for tomorrow. So today we have privacy solutions for permission chains, so they don't run on mainnet just yet. Uh, That's what Orion is, but we're working on launching Orion on mainnet as well. Uh, We've designed all our tools to be mainnet compatible, Orion first. So we have a hope of doing point-to-point private transactions on a mainnet network, hopefully fairly soon. uh, So we don't have a definitive timeline. Additionally, we there's a lot of incredible innovation that's happening on the Ethereum space. One of my favorite projects, for example, is called Aztec, which is a type of zero knowledge approach to privacy. And we have a partnership with them. Where you can run Aztec on a Hyperledger-based node and really drive a lot of the privacy on mainnet that enterprise users And it's that kind of partnership, those kind of tooling, uh, and that sort of mindset to software that we can bring to the table that will make it. Enterprises more confident and more able to use mainnets. And our our vision long run is really to help drive enterprises onto Ethereum as much as possible.
0: Right. That's wonderful. And I also read that apparently dozens of startups have already tested Bezu. So, um, Grace, maybe you can answer that. Like, what has the feedback been so far?
1: The dozens of startups that have tested it uh, have been since the launch last November, as I mentioned. So a couple of the different use cases we have seen are capital markets, uh, financial services, uh, different tokenization opportunities. We've seen supply chain use cases and applications using um, using Pantheon or, or Hyperledger Basu, among many others. Probably the one we're most excited about that we talked about last year or last we talked about last June was LiquidShare, uh, which is a capital markets group. Um, in Europe, and they're building their application with some of the biggest banks in Europe, such as SacGen, BNP Paribas, uh, EuroNext, on top of Hyperledger Besu.
0: Wow, that's that's very cool. And with that in mind, are there specific startups or companies that really benefit from Besu, you know, versus others? Like, would uh, is it better suited for financial use cases versus supply chain management? Or what do you think?
1: So we're building, so Hyperledger Besu is a protocol layer. So kind of think of it the layer one within the tech stack. Uh, it is usable and basically industry agnostic or use case agnostic. What happens is then the, the startups will go ahead and build the application on top of Hyperledger Besu to then uh, cater to whatever industry or use case they want. So they can build an application for supply chain or... Uh, emergency health records or uh, payments on top of it, and it doesn't, there's no indication or there's no changes really within the protocol itself. That's more at the application layer. Dan, do you want to expand?
2: Yeah, so I, all I would add to that is, as Grace said, we put the protocol to be use case agnostic. We're really trying to build the most robust, scalable, performance, customizable protocol available. But where we are seeing more traction is, around financial services, particularly trade, finance, and capital markets, supply chains as well, and then a little bit as well in the healthcare space.
0: Wow. And so all of these companies that are already testing Bezu and and the companies that you see potential in for using this, um, are they just still in the pilot phase?
2: Nope. Uh, So so many of them, of course, are in in the pilot phase, but we have a number reduction as well. So there will be a couple of press releases in the next few weeks, maybe months. Uh, speaking about those projects specifically, none of the ones we're publicly talking about right now are fully in production.
0: Uh, got it. Yeah, that's. I was hoping you would, um, you know, break some news uh, for the listeners today. But I get it. If if, if you guys can't talk about it yet, um, that gives us something to look forward to coming up. So that's exciting news, also. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance, because Hyperledger Besu implements that. Um, and apparently, there are specific enterprise features in alignment with this Enterprise Ethereum Alliance. So, what does that mean exactly? Or is that the three Ps, Dan, that you've already talked about, or is this something else?
2: Yeah, it's very similar. So, the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance is a industry consortium, not consortium, industry alliance of both startups and enterprises working on Ethereum. And as part of that, mm-hmm. the protocol implementers have come together uh, with certain partners to try to create an enterprise Ethereum specification. So we know what public Ethereum specifications are. That's defined in the yellow paper and the beige paper, defined by the EIP protocol. But there hasn't been something similar for enterprise Ethereum. And as a result, all the protocols implement something that's close, but slightly different. And so we're working on a broader specification that will enable the different implementations of enterprise Ethereum to work together. One of the most compelling advantages of enterprises to use Ethereum over other chains is just the robustness of the ecosystem and the number of different vendors that are playing. And so the more we can get those vendors to interoperate and interact, the more uh, likely it is that enterprises will flock to the Ethereum ecosystem. So that's why the specification is important. We are one of the protocol implementers alongside Quorum. Uh, Clearmatics and block apps that are most active in the EEA and try to drive that. None of the protocols implement 100% of the EEA specification yet, uh, but we are driving towards that target and getting closer every day.
0: Got it. Well, that's really interesting. And I mean, it seems like interoperability is a big um, part of that. And it's really important, obviously, in the world of blockchain. So definitely looking forward to see how uh, the work there plays out moving forward.
1: No, what I think what's interesting is that we have at Pegasus this experience working with Enterprise Ethereum Alliance and and helping to define that specification and, and have been so involved in that the Ethereum community in the past that we hope to kind of take some of the best practices and insights that we've learned being a part of the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance and, and contributing in that community to then come across the Hyperledger and share our best practices and insights there. And then we hope Hyperledger will then, vice versa, be able to share their best practices and insights and be able to kind of grow that community and collaboration and kind of raise the bar for everyone, uh, exactly getting to your point to find collaboration opportunities that eventually may lead to interoperability across the Ethereum client platforms, as well as the Hyperledger platforms.
0: Right. Yeah, that's very important. I also think another important aspect that we can talk about is open source here. and. Um, I recently interviewed Brian Bellendorf, who's the executive director of Piper and he kind of touched on how important open source is in this world of blockchain. What are your thoughts, both Grace and Dan? What do you guys think about open source um, and, and how necessary it is, I guess, in, for blockchain?
1: We are very committed to open source at Pegasus, and we think that for blockchain technology to succeed, along with prior technologies that you've seen that have maybe taken off, You need that open source community to be able to collaborate and find best practices, as I mentioned, and be able to create that community around it. I think as a part of that, as Brian said, open source community, there's probably, in our opinion, no better business blockchain open source community uh, than Hyperledger across the platforms. And we think that bringing an Ethereum client, the first Ethereum client into the Hyperledger space, That's really compelling to be able to say to the community at large, you know, Ethereum is committed to open source, Pegasus is committed to open source,
0: and along with that, Hyperledger is supporting that commitment. Great. And Dan, did you want to elaborate on that at all?
2: Sure. I mean, I don't think it's a secret that one of Ethereum's greatest strengths is the community that it has, the community behind it. An active and engaged community means that there's more tooling, more innovation, more experimentation. Also, just as important, someone to help troubleshoot and debug issues when you're up at turning trying to figure out why something doesn't work. So we're big believers in community as a competitive advantage and sort of as a differentiation against some of the other players in the space, and we want to invest in that. And so there's a few different communities that we try to work with. So the first and foremost our primary community is obviously the Ethereum one, but written Hyperledger Besu uh, from scratch in Java. Uh, We're the first uh, mainnet Ethereum Java client that's compatible with mainnet right now. Um, And that's a huge community, the Java community, that is kind of untapped in Ethereum these days and in blockchain broadly. So we're also doing a lot of work in the Java community to try and give them opportunities to get involved in Ethereum, start contributing, start playing around with the technology. And the final community is obviously the hyperledger community which we're really excited to dive into and start to collaborate with and learn from and share best practices.
0: Right. And you mentioned Java. I mean, can you, can you just talk a little bit more about that? Um, why, why did you guys choose to write the code in Java? Is there a benefit here or an advantage? advantage?
2: So there is. Uh, there are a few. Um, so one, what I already mentioned, is just the size of the Java community and the fact that there wasn't an avenue for that community to engage in Ethereum yet. We really wanted to be that gateway and a conduit. Uh, it really the the pervasiveness of Java makes it really easy as software for it to be adopted in an enterprise environments, enterprise stacks. It's one of, if not the preferred language of enterprises globally if you had to choose one. But the other advantage is that it just comes with a whole ton of tooling right out of the box uh, to measure performance, to do some instrumentation. Uh, there's just a lot of tooling that comes with Java that's harder to find in some of the younger, newer languages than some of the other clients have been.
0: Right. That makes sense. And uh, now that base has been admitted to Hyperledger, the code base still needs to be integrated into Hyperledger's GitHub code repository and the Rocket Chat work group um, to obtain a certification from the Linux Foundation. So do you know when all of this will happen? Is there a timeline for that?
1: Yes. As a matter of fact, there is a timeline. Um, so we would like to integrate into the hyper community, honestly, as quickly as possible. Within the next three weeks, we will have our Rocket Chat discussion, I guess. Yeah, Rocket Chat, we will have up and running with our in- engineers engaging there. And then the GitHub repository will also be moved over within that timeline. So we can also say now that we're The mailing list is also available currently. So we'll be starting to send out messages through that in the coming month to engage with the community further and and give them updates on what is happening with Hyperledger BESU, when
0: our releases are, and how to get started. Great. Well, I'm sure our listeners are really um, glad to hear that, that there is a timeline. Um, Grace and Dan, do you have any other additional thoughts or any breaking news or any updates that you want to share with us?
1: I think I would just say that we've had a really positive experience working with the Hyperledger community to get Pantheon approved and become a Hyperledger Besu, And we think it's really exciting that they were so thoughtful and diligent about the process itself. And I think we're just really looking forward to becoming more engaged in the community and uh, becoming that open collaborator and active, uh, I guess, active member of the community there. Dan, did you want to share any additional thoughts?
2: So we have a lot of uh, exciting partnerships and use cases that are ramping up. And um, unfortunately, I can't speak about them yet, but sign up for the Pegasus newsletter to, to learn all about all the things that are coming down the pipeline, I guess, is my, my, my thought there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think all of this, it's it's very new. I think the news was released last week or maybe the week before So I think, you know, basically what we have to do is kind of just stay tuned for updates, because I'm sure there's so much information that's going to start coming out. um, And you guys obviously can't make it public just yet. But I think that there's a lot to look forward to. So definitely signing up for the newsletter that you mentioned, um, I'm sure it would be very, very useful. also, Grace and Dan, if our listeners did want to continue to stay up to date besides the newsletters, there are Twitter or can they follow you guys somewhere? How would they connect with you? Well, great source for
1: Pegasus News is our newsletter, as Dan said, it's at uh, Pegasus.tech. And then our Twitter is very active and we love new followers, and it's
0: Pegasus Eng, so P-E-G-A-S-Y-S-E-N-G. Wonderful. Wonderful. So we're almost out of time, but I think this has been a really great interview with both of you. Um, I think it's really helped our listeners learn more about Hyperledger, BESU, and what's to come. So thank you both for being on the show. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for having us.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today. You can find further information in the show notes to learn more about Pegasus. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Crypto Chick Podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, if you have time, please leave me a review. I enjoy hearing your feedback. You can also reach out to me on Twitter at RachelWolf00, on LinkedIn, or on Instagram at Blockchain and Bikinis. Thanks for listening. See you all next time.